18 this morning, Luke 19. Now, normally when we have a VBS Sunday, we normally take a break from the book we're going through, and we usually do a topical message that kind of relates to uh, the theme of VBS. And that was kind of the plan this year, to stop going through the book of Luke and do, do a brief topical of just what we talked about at VBS. But as I was praying over this and reading through, once you know it, Luke 19, verses 28 through 40, the topic is Palm Sunday. Now, that may not sound like a VBS theme message, but if you look at verse 38... Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. The whole purpose here of this lesson today is about Jesus coming and arriving as king. And I thought this works into perfectly to what we talked about with VBS. This whole build up to this idea of Jesus being king. And that's a wonderful lesson to have here this morning on this idea of Jesus being king. And we get to talk about that. So I hope you're blessed by this as much as I was. There's a lot of neat things behind the scenes with like this lesson. And I hope you're thoroughly enjoying it. So without much further ado, let's pray and we'll jump right into it. Heavenly Father, we ask for your blessing upon this. Once again, we thank you for the week of EBS. We praise you for that. And pray that you would go before this lesson. Just let the Spirit guide and teach in all ways and all things. In your name, amen. All right, Luke 19. Let's pick it up here in verse 28. And when he said, when he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he drew near to Bethphage and to Bethany at the mountain called Olivet that he sent two of his disciples. Now let's just stop there for a little bit. I think it's always important to get the background. Now this is Palm Sunday. Normally when we talk about Palm Sunday, it's during the spring. It's the Sunday before Easter. So to put this in perspective, we're just days before Jesus' death on the cross. This is his last week on this earth. Now he's going to Jerusalem. We know why he's going to Jerusalem. He's going to Jerusalem to die on the cross for our sins. Now, he's told this to the disciples. They don't get it. They heard it, but they don't get it. They think they're going to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, which that is what they're going to do. But Christ knows that his death is coming. So we're just a few days here before Christ's death on the cross. Now, I always think it's interesting where it gives us all this detail. Verse 29, that they're going near Bethphage, they're going near Bethany, and they're going near the mountain called Olivet. I think it's important when you see all these names in here to stop and say, okay, why is everything in here? So let's talk about what these names mean for a second. Bethphage means the house of unripe figs. Now we'll get to that in a little bit. Bethany, and I apologize if there is a Bethany in the house today. House of misery or house of poor. I did not write it. I'm just telling you that's what it says. Bethany is also where Lazarus died. And Olivet, anytime you think of Olivet, you know what Olivet means? It means olives. Nothing exciting there. But the point is, Mount Olivet is where Jesus gave this very famous end times teaching in Matthew 24 and 25. So put this all together. Bethphage, house of unripe figs. That doesn't make sense. But when you stop and you think about it, when you think of unripe figs, it made me think of Mark chapter 11. In Mark chapter 11, Jesus was hungry. He went up to a fig tree to get something to eat from the fig tree. The fig tree had no figs. So what happened was Jesus cursed the fig tree. Now, before you think that's just Jesus being angry, no. It was a teaching point about it's important to have fruit for the Lord. It's important to produce something for God. So when you get to Bethphage, that's speaking of judgment. When you get to Bethany, house of misery, house of poor, speaking of the misery and the poorness that we're in right now, and then Olivet speaks of end times. Put this all together. We're living in the end times. This world is in misery and judgment is coming. Now, during this setup of all this, you have verse 38. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. See, in this time of judgment, in this time of misery, in this time of being in the end times, that's when the king arrives. And where does he arrive? He arrives to go to Jerusalem. That last word in Jerusalem, Salem, means peace. 
So Jesus is coming to bring peace. What type of peace is he bringing? Verse 38, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Note where the peace is at. The peace is in heaven. If you're like me, you watch the evening news and you realize there is not much peace on this world. You see the articles, you see the newspaper, you hear the prayer requests going through. There's not much peace in this world right now. With that being said, it finds it difficult sometimes to say, Okay, Jesus, you're king, and this is the best we can do. You've got to remember what the Bible says. The Bible says this, that Satan is the ruler of this world at this time. Jesus, when he returns in the second coming, he will get rid of Satan being the ruler of this world, and he will set up his kingdom. Right now, peace is in heaven. Hebrews says that, we sat, that he sat down at the right hand of God. Peace is there, and eventually we will have the peace of heaven as well. But before we can have that, we need to go to Bethphage, which is judgment. We need to go to Bethany, which is misery. And we need to go to Olivet, which is end times. But in the middle of this horrible season that we're in, the king is coming. And that gives us hope, that gives us peace, and that is what gives us encouragement, is to know the king is coming. So when you look at Palm Sunday... So in the few times in the Bible where the world actually stopped and maybe realized who Jesus was as king. Now the problem was they wanted the king now. Jesus said, I have to die on the cross first. They yelled out, Hosanna, which means save us now. Jesus said, well, I will die for you now. And we'll take care of saving you later. In the sense of salvation has to come after the cross. So the king came to fulfill his mission during this time of judgment, misery, and end times. The king is coming, and that's what gives us hope. Now, what's our response to the king coming? Look at verse 30. He's saying, Go into this village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a colt tied, or a donkey, on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, Why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, Because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he has said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosing the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. I find this little story fascinating. Completely, utterly fascinating. And it makes me want to apply this to life. I encourage you after church today, go to Walmart, pick out the car you want. And just go up to someone and say, the Lord has need of it. Just see what happens. See if you know words into practice. Don't tell them I said to do it. But the point is, you stop and you see this. This is an amazing story. I mean, I like to put myself in the middle of this. And I see what they're saying and what a picture of faith what a picture of obedience, and what a picture of being in God's will. See, it doesn't say for sure who these two were. i got to tell you, I would not, be, would not want to be one of those two. This would make me nervous. It would make me nervous to go in there, take the colt, and then somebody ask, what are you doing, and say, the Lord has need of it. I don't do well in situations like that where I don't fully understand what's going on, and I just need to act confidently. You may think this is a silly story, but this is true. Every now and then I'm out doing visits or something like that, Don will be like, hey, can you swing through Walmart and pick up some groceries for us? And I'll be fine, send me the list. So she'll send me the list, and there's always this uh, comp the price thing. So she always says, just go up to them and take the gallon of milk and just tell them it's $1.99 at Aldi's. That completely freaks me out every single time I do that. I have no proof of that. I have no nothing. I just go up there and say it's $1.99 at Aldi's, and I hope they believe me. So... Makes me nervous. So here I see this thing where Jesus would say, Hey, James, go say, I need the colt. I need the donkey. I would say, Send somebody else. <laughs> but in faith, they went. They went. They went and they did this. And in obedience, they did exactly what Jesus said. And look at the blessing that came out of it. I tell you, it is a powerful thing to be in the middle of God's will. Where you are where God wants you to be. We talk about the heavens opening. 
Oh my. You just see the Lord opening doors when you're in the middle of His will. Things that should not be happening are happening, and you stop and you say, Lord, how is this? Because we're just walking in faith and obedience. There's times out here at church where things come together, and you stop and you say, how is that even possible, Lord? Because the Lord is doing it. Jesus had this all figured out. He needed two disciples to be obedient. He needed two disciples to walk in faith. And these just two disciples went. They did it. They took the donkey. They brought it back. And how simple was it? One of the things that we're trying to work on with the boys at home is this idea of obedience. And not necessarily obedience to us, but as you obey us, it's a picture of obeying the Lord. And we want them to train them up that when they get older, that they obey God. That they obey God without questioning it. That you just obey how many times do we, as adults, question something the Lord says? I, like I said, if I was in this position, Jesus sent me to go get the coal, I would have tons of questions. Are you sure they know we're coming? Have you told them that we're coming? They're really okay with us taking this. I would have that, what we call, delayed obedience. I'm doing it, but I have all these questions. One of the things I like to do at the boys at home is I like to set them up. Now, this may sound like bad parenting, but just hear me out. I like to go and put something on the table in the kitchen. Some type of candy, some type of treat, something along that type of line. Take the boys outside, and we'll be playing something. Let's say we're playing a game of kickball. So we're playing a game of kickball, and we're having a lot of fun. We're right in the middle of the game of kickball. I like to stop and say, boys, head into the kitchen right now. Just to see, will they be obedient? Now, there's a reward for them if they go. And I'll tell you right now what happens. Judah, our second one, obeys, just goes. Kenan, our third one, he just goes with the flow. He's the middle kid of five boys. He just goes. Elias, the oldest, he will obey. But on the way, he will have about 20 questions. Why are we going? What's in there? Should it be this? Should we do that? Late in our fourth one, he'll just keep playing kickball. He's a sinner and God loves him, but we have to work on that. <laughs> the point is this. We're like that. If God tells you to do something and it's clear, what do you do? Do you just obey? Or are you like Elias? You'll do it, but you've got a lot of questions on the way, Lord. Like, why are we doing this and can you explain this to me? Or are we like Laden and we just do what we want to do? God, help us to have this obedience where we just say, Lord, you want me to go get a donkey? Fine, I'll go get you a donkey. You want me to tell the guy the Lord needs it? Well, then I'll just tell the guy the Lord needs it. And once you know it, it all worked out. What happens next? Verse 35, then they brought him to Jesus and they threw their own clothes on the colt. And they sat Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Now, the next thing we talked about, we talked about obedience. We talked about faith. And we talked about being in God's will, the blessing that comes out of it. What about this one? This is where you make a sacrifice for the Lord. It will never go unrewarded. These guys are willing to give their clothes here to have the donkey walk on it and have Jesus sit on it on the donkey. Now, you may be quick to say, well, what's so big a deal about letting go of their clothes? I'm telling you right now, I think it's assumed that if you give your clothes up to have a donkey walk on them, you're probably not going to wear those clothes after the donkey walks on them. You are making a sacrifice here. You are willing to let go of something that you obviously thought was important because you put those on. You were willing to let go of those outer garments and say, go ahead, let a donkey walk on them. And I'm assuming I'm not getting them back. The idea here is Christians, sometimes the Lord asks us to let go of things. God asks us to make a sacrifice. Are we willing to do it? It's tough to do. Go to, if you would, to Hebrews, please. Hebrews 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Sometimes the Lord is asking you to make a sacrifice. Sometimes the Lord is asking you to let go of things. And are you willing to do it? Are you willing to make that sacrifice for the Lord? Hebrews 10. No sacrifice is ever forgotten for the Lord. 
and no sacrifice will go unrewarded. The Lord will hear it. The Lord will see it. The Lord understands the willingness you're doing. The sacrifices you make at work to be a witness, the sacrifices you make in your marriage and at home with your kids, your grandkids, God sees that. He knows that. Here's the problem with making a sacrifice. It completely wears you out. It is difficult being the one always giving. It's difficult being the one always sacrificing. So what do we want to do? We want to give up. Hebrews 10, verse 35. Hebrews 10, verse 35. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Have you ever wanted to cast away your confidence? You just want to quit. You're done. I'm done praying about this. I'm done reading about this. I'm done trying. I just quit. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I keep trying to make a different change where I work, at school, at home. It's just not worth it. So I quit. I'm no longer going to do it because it's just not worth it anymore. So what do I do? I cast away my confidence. I just say I'm done. It's not that I don't love Jesus anymore. It's not that I don't care about God anymore. I just am so sick and tired. I just quit. You cast away your confidence. Now, the Bible says in verse 35 that that has great reward. Now, this is what generally happens. Someone comes up to me and says, I don't care about rewards. Well, you should care about rewards. Because you have to remember the purpose of rewards. Rewards are not for you to walk around all of eternity saying, look at me. The purpose of rewards is to get to heaven and to show Jesus, look what I did for you. Lord, I did this for you. I always use this example. It's like showing up at someone's birthday party but not bringing the gift. You want to bring something to Christ. Christ, you died on the cross for my sins, so now I want to bring something to you. This is what I did with the life that you gave me. Verse 36, For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. How many of you have lost endurance? Now, this word endurance is really interesting, because every translation translates it differently. Some say endurance. Some say patience. Some say perseverance. And some just combine it and call it patient endurance. Basically, what it's saying is, you've lost your endurance to keep moving forward, you've lost the perseverance to keep trying, and you've lost your patience. So what happens in verse 36? You just want to quit. You just want to be done. What good comes out of that? Nothing. Because why? Verse 37. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. See, God's saying, hang on for a little bit more because Jesus is returning. Verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. God says... That when we quit, when we give up, as it says here in my New King James, we draw back. God's disappointed in that. He's disappointed that we quit, that we no longer try anymore. No longer try to go deeper in our walks. We no longer try in our relationships. We no longer try in our witness. We're just done. Really, what are we saying? God, the strength you gave me was not enough. God, the, the reason you gave me to stay focused is not enough. Wow. The Lord has never let us down. He always will give you enough strength. He always gives you enough reason to do it. But yet we draw back and we quit. We cast off our confidence. Verse 38, 39. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition or destruction, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. But the writer of Hebrews stops in verse 39 and says, That's not us. We're going to keep moving forward and we're not going to stop. I encourage you right now, if you are in a position where you just want to give up, you're done. Don't give up. Just like the people that gave up the clothes for the donkey to walk on, that will be noted and remembered and rewarded. 
If you're in a situation right now where you feel like you have no strength to move forward, you're just done. Don't give up. Don't cast off the promise of God. Don't step out of His will. Stay focused on where He's called you, and He will give you the strength to keep moving forward. There's no doubt about that. And God sees and knows your struggles and will give you the patience, the endurance, the perseverance to see it through. He truly will. Jump back now to Luke 19, please. So what's the result of this? Verse 37, that as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Just like we said many times this week, Jesus is King. This is where we see it. Verse 38, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, I find this very interesting. When you think of Jesus making his grand entrance in Jerusalem, he's riding this donkey. He's riding this colt here. Now, if you've ever seen a movie depiction of this, a grown man riding a donkey, I don't want to pick on Jesus, but it's actually one of the funniest things you could ever see. This is a humbling thing. And I find it fascinating that Jesus, to make his entrance, chose this type of animal to do that. And it's actually prophesied that that's what it would be. Zechariah 9.9 said that that's exactly what he would do, that he would come in on a donkey. Why? Because it shows that this is a humble king. This is a king that's willing to meet with his people. This is a king that's willing to hear your needs. This is a king that's willing to get with you wherever you're at, encourage you, love you, and help you. This is not the king that you can't approach. This is the king that is there for you, and there is a humbleness that comes with that. Wow. That we get to have access to God anytime we want. And it's also Palm Sunday. What's the palm represent? Palm represents in Revelation... This idea of being in heaven and eternity and the healing that comes from that. The palm also represents in Leviticus the Feast of Tabernacles, which where we get to dwell with God and God takes care of us. So Palm Sunday is God saying, I am your king, but come to me and approach me. This is Palm Sunday. Palm says, I get to be with you and I want to heal you and help you and be with you in all ways. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. And as we joke all the time out here, if we could just stop at verse 38, it would be great. Problem is, they're verses 39 and 40. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. See, there's always going to be those people. There's always going to be somebody in your life that's negative and trying to bring you down. We've talked about this now three weeks in a row. What did we say last week with Zacchaeus in Luke 19? As soon as Jesus went to eat at Zacchaeus' house, it says the people murmured and grumbled and complained. That Jesus ate with the sinner. The week before in Luke 18, when the blind man wanted to see, as he cried out for Jesus' help, everybody told him to be quiet. I'm telling you right now, if you want to go deeper in your relationship with Christ, there's going to be somebody that tells you to be quiet. There's going to be somebody that's going to complain about what you're doing, and there's going to be somebody that's going to tell you just to be done. You've got to keep moving forward in the Lord. Do not, and I say this all the time, do not let other people dictate the joy in your life. I see too many Christians that their joy is is determined by other people. Your joy is determined by the Lord and the Lord alone. So Pharisees didn't like what he was doing. Jesus says, fine, the rocks will cry out. What is Jesus really saying? I heard a pastor say one time what Jesus is really saying is the stones have a softer heart than the Pharisees. The stones are more receptive to praising God than the Pharisees are. Have you ever met somebody like that? That they have a religious background to them? That they claim to know the Lord, and maybe they do. 
But there just is no joy in them in any way whatsoever. Turn if you will to Ezekiel 36. I think one of the key attributes of our walk with Christ is joy. That, that there's a reason why we love Jesus and how He's impacted our lives. Joy. When I was teaching on this at the first service, somebody came up to me after the first service and says, he calls those Christians that claim Christ but have no joy, he calls them sour pickles. And I thought, there's a lot of truth to that. Ezekiel 36. I know a gal, and I've known her my entire life. You know, ever since I was born, I can you know, remember her being in, in, in my life, and she's always had such an open... Um, Walk with the Lord. I mean, serving at the church as she goes to everything. Just very open about her Lord. And I'm not joking when I said this. I've never seen her smile. I would not want to serve with her. I don't know what her problem is, but she knows the truth. And she's out there proclaiming truth. But there is nothing about her that would make you say, Wow, if that's what a Christian is, that's what I want. Where's the joy? And I see those Pharisees that claim a religious background, and they would claim to know more about God than anybody. Where's the joy? Jesus says the rocks are going to cry out more before you will. Take a look at your heart real quick. Is your heart hard or soft towards the things of the Lord? Is your heart hard or soft towards being obedient to what God has? You may need to have a little bit of a heart change here. Look at Ezekiel 36, verse 25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Verse 26 of Ezekiel 36. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Think about that. That's what the Lord's answer is. If your heart is getting hard towards the things of the Lord, He says, I will give you a new heart. I will, through my spirit, soften that up. Now, just be honest with yourself. Has your heart gotten hard towards the Lord? Has your heart gotten hard towards the Lord to the sacrifices you have made at work, at school, at home, and in your marriage, what have you? It's no longer worth it, so your heart's hard towards it. The Lord says, I need to soften that up. Has your heart gotten hard towards the Lord and just daily obedience? It doesn't matter anymore if you read, if you pray, if you worship, if you serve. The Lord will give you a new heart. Maybe you're like the Pharisees. From the outside, everything looks pretty good. But yet inside, where's the heart at? See, that's the thing that I run into. Is the Lord help me to be a cheerful giver on the inside. Not just outwardly obedient and serving, but inwardly saying, Lord, I want to make a difference in all that I do and say. we got to check the heart sometimes. See, the Lord says, you know what, that heart grows hard. He goes, don't worry about the praise. He goes, the rocks can cry out and take care of the praise and the glory. But He wants us to have that softened heart towards Him. I tell you, when you put this whole teaching together, when you realize what the Lord wants to do here, He wants to take us through the Bethphage judgment. He wants to take us through Bethany misery. And He wants to take us through Olivet, the end times judgment coming. And He wants to take us to Jerusalem, to the peace. He is the King that is returning. And He asks us until His return, will you be obedient? Will you be faithful? And when you're in God's will, trust that He will open those doors that need to be opened. But then He says, will you also be willing to make the sacrifices that need to be made? Because those sacrifices will be noted, and they will not go unrewarded. And also remember, at the end, there's always going to be those guys that try to bring you down. Don't get angry at them. Don't get upset at them. But instead, realize, I'm going deeper in my relationship with the Lord, and I'm not going to let anybody dictate the joy in my life. 
because I am going to keep my confidence, as we read in Hebrews. Do not cast off your confidence. I'm going to keep my confidence in the Lord and move forward in Him. Marvin Kelly, if you can come forward here for the final song. Once again, a big thanks to everybody who helped out at VBS. Please keep those kids in prayer.